Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, very familiar to some of you. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The Bible says this, these three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Think about that, that in all of eternity, I think it's easy to think about that we're going to have love in heaven, but we'll also have faith and hope in heaven. These three will remain forever. They'll last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Now, look at the first word of Jesus' first sermon, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And he opens his first sermon to his first message with his first word, and it is blessed. Everybody say blessed. This word blessed means happy. So Jesus starts his ministry in a good mood. And by the way, our God is still in a good mood. Amen. I'm going to read you a quote. This is from Dr. Gordon Livingston, who lost two sons within a 13-month period. And through that, he's written many great books on grief and happiness and joy. And he said this, in order to be happy, you need something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. Something to do, someone to love, something to look forward to. I'm going to talk about happiness today, and I want to preach from this subject. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Lord, speak to us now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Happiness. Thank you, Lynn. By the way, was worship not awesome this morning? Come on, wasn't that beautiful? That was so great. Uh, You can see if you come up here, you'll see the whole kind of Thing that's happening, it's going to be really, really great. Uh, happiness. I think when we say that, it's kind of, a, I don't know, kind of a taboo word, kind of a bad word in the church, because I think we always try to compare it to joy. And so we talk about how, you know, happiness has to do with happenings, but joy is eternal. And, and because of that, it's kind of gotten a bad rap in the church. Uh, but I think we all want to be happy. I think we all want to be happier. I think most people in this room believe they deserve happiness. You know, uh, ladies, you don't go shopping uh, to punish yourself. You go shopping because you like it and it makes you happy. <laughs> Fellas, you, you don't go to golf, you know, to give yourself a lesson. You go because you love it and it's fun. And uh, for four hours, you just get out there. I hate golf, FYI. I think it's from the devil, but anyway, uh, but you go do it and, and you love it and you do it because you want to be happy. It could be fishing. It could be whatever hobby you have, but we're we're all in pursuit of happiness, and I think in reality, though, many can't find it. Um, we know that over 20%, excuse me, only 20% of Americans would say they are happy, and over 20 million Americans are currently being treated for depression. Think about that. So how many more millions of people are depressed and maybe don't know it or haven't talked about it? But Really, when we talk about happiness, you know, I think a lot of you are here today because you want to be happy or maybe you've heard that Jesus can make you happy or that you can find happiness. But when we talk about it, we're usually talking about happiness from the place of possessions or relationships or something like that. So some of you who are uh, single, you know, you walk in here and you go, if I could just get married, if I could just get married, I'd be happy. And then some of you are married and you're thinking, Lord, I got to do this for 63 years, Jesus, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Look straight ahead. Um, 
Some of you think, if we just have kids, and then you have a kid, and, and you love your daughter. But if I just had a son, then I would really be, or, or I really love my son, but if I just had a daughter, whatever it is. But, but, but we try to connect it to so many things, and we find ourselves still empty. We find ourselves still looking. We find ourselves still in search of it and still in pursuit of it. And now Jesus comes on the scene. Matthew chapter 5, after 400 years of biblical and prophetical silence, God has not spoken in mass for over 400 years. And by the way, the last time he spoke wasn't that great. Um, he ends the book of Malachi telling the people of Israel, I'm going to curse you with a curse. So that's how the old covenant ends. It ends awkwardly. Have you ever left a conversation that wasn't resolved? Come on, somebody. Or you unfollow somebody on Instagram and then you walk into church and there they are. It's like, hey, buddy. Did I unfollow? No, oh, I got hacked. I got hacked. That's, I'm going to follow you right back. <laughs> so, so, so it ends kind of rough. And God has not spoken to his people on a mass level for over 400 years. But God is now back on the scene. He's in flesh and blood. And it's Jesus. And, and he's about to preach his first message. But he does not start where Malachi ends. He does not start with curse. He doesn't even start with repent or turn or burn or anything like that. But Jesus' first word and his first message is blessed. I think this is great to know because under the new covenant, we serve a God of radical blessing. We serve a God of abundance. And this word blessed actually means happy. So right when Jesus opens up his ministry, he says, this is going to be different. This is not something that you're going to have to grin and bear. This is not something that you're going to have to just get through. This isn't just Sunday morning religion that you have to endure, but rather this is going to be a loving, life-giving relationship that is going to put a smile on your face. You are going to be happy. I'm going to make you happy. And what you could not find happiness in everything that the world has promised you, you will find it in me. It will be real. It will be supernatural. It will be, it will last as long as life itself, God wants you to be happy. Can you put your hands together right there? This is the God that we serve. We serve a God of blessing. We serve a God who is smiling down on his children. We serve a God who loves us. So he says, you're going to be happy. But then he says, it's going to happen differently than the way the world does it. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, happy are the humble. He changes it up. So if you want to be great, serve. If you want to be exalted, humble yourself. If you want to prosper, give. If you want to be favored, lift others. It's completely upside down, but it's absolutely the gospel. It's just not going to happen kind of the corporate way of stepping on people or getting above people or, or trying to do it on your own or just trying to make it happen by the sweat of your brow. Rather, it's going to happen by surrendering totally to the plan and purpose and will of Jesus. And through that, you will find happiness that money can't buy. Huh. We're in Orange County where we have the highest divorce rate in America. And I just watched the TED Talk on divorce and why people have affairs. And they say that now the reason for affairs is not because people are unhappy, but because people believe they should be happier. Huh. So it's not that they're unhappy. They just think they should be happier. So we have everything the world can offer right here in OC. I mean, think about it. We're driving to divorce court in a Bentley. <laughs> Tell them about it won't be happier. But I'm telling you, God can give you true happiness. He can give you true joy. 
And when I think about it, thank you for that. Amen, sister. I feel your love. When I think about it, I think about what Dr. Livingston said. He said, in order to be happy, you need something to do, someone to love, something to look forward to. That really reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13. I think he was preaching. He didn't even know he was preaching. You need something to do, faith, someone to love, love, and something to look forward to, hope. So I want to give you these three things, and I want to talk about how to be happy. And firstly, number one, if you want to be happy, you need someone to love. Love God, love your neighbor, and be secure in who you are as God's child. Love yourself. But I want you to think about this because this text comes from Matthew 22 when Jesus said the greatest commandment out of 713 laws, the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. But realize this, that was said under the law, under the Mosaic law. Now here's what we know about the law. According to Galatians chapter 3, it's a teacher, but it cannot change you. According to Romans 8, it is powerless to change the human condition. And according to Romans 7, it is holy, it is righteous, and it is good, but it can't change you. It's like seeing a, a, a speed limit sign out there. You can see that it's 55, but at the end of the day, you're going to drive whatever you want to drive. Because that sign can't change you. The law can't change you. So when God says, love me with all your heart and love your neighbor, if you just approach it from the law, and I know I'm freaking some of you out, but it's okay, we're going to get there in a second. If we just approach it from the law, You'll never love God and you'll never love your neighbor. I'm going to love God. 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Me, 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 me. And you'll never love God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you by faith. I'm going to love you. Praise God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. It's not going to work. Because you can't give what you don't possess. So you can't love God until you receive the love of God. And you definitely cannot love your crazy neighbor until you receive the love of God. And you'll never be secure with who you are. You'll never love yourself until you receive the love of God. So the love of God is not something we achieve, but it's something we receive. I can't love God until I first believe he loves me. But how does it happen? How do I receive the love of God? First John chapter four, verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for us. Think about it. This is love. The apostle John did not say, this is love when you lay down your life for God. This is love. Look what the apostle Peter has done. Or this is love. Look what the apostle Paul has done. Or, or this is love. Look what the great preachers of the world have done. No, no, he says this is love. Not that we love God. Because how many know our love fluctuates? Come on, somebody. If you want to know what your love walk looks like, just go down to an amusement park and find the craziest roller coaster. That's your love walk. I love God. I love God. I love God. I love God. God, I'll never do that again. I promise. I promise. I promise. Man, this fast is going great. I'm, just, I'm not even going to go 21. I'm going to go 40. Day 22, Krispy Kreme. Come on. Help a preacher out. Amen. <laughs> it's the truth. Our love, our love is terrible. God does, it's, it's awful. It's up one day. It's down the next. This is love. Not that we love God, but God loves us. Think about that. God loves us. 
in our sin and our failure and our, and our mistakes. He loves us and his love never changes, it never fails, and it never fluctuates. You'll never have a good or bad day with God. God only has good days. You might take a flower and go, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. Lo no, 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 not with God. It's he loves me, loves me, loves me, loves me, loves me, loves me, loves me. Come on, somebody. And the moment you believe and receive the love of God is the moment you can love him and love your neighbor. And ultimately find true happiness. Look at this in, in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's do a quick Bible study. Chapter 3, verse 18. How do I believe that God loves me? It can only happen by the Spirit of God. It cannot happen by, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, it has to happen by a work of the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul prays for the church. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Notice that word should. So a lot of God's people don't know. A lot of God's people are enduring Sunday morning religion when they should be experiencing the amazing love of Jesus. Are you hearing me, church? This, this is how it should be. But many of us just think of God like some Greek figure with some big old white dude with muscles and white hair and a lightning bolt ready to strike us down. So we come into church and we pay our tithes and we sing our songs and we lift our hands and, and it's kind of like, you know, we're working with the Godfather, you know, we're kissing the ring. Friend, that's not God. Look what it says. Paul said we should all believe this. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Now may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to fully understand. Think about it. The love of God cannot be explained. It can only be experienced. I can, I can, I can preach for hours on the love of Jesus. But until you get alone with God and say, God, teach me how much you love me, it won't happen. But many of us pray the wrong prayer. We pray, I want to love God. God, I want to love you. 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 No. God, show me how much you love me. God, show me how much you love me. God, show me how much you love me. And the moment you see and experience and receive the love of God is the moment that you will pour your love back on him. And all of a sudden, Christianity becomes fun and it becomes an adventure and it becomes life-giving. And it becomes a pleasure. But it will not happen until you receive the love of God. In order to be happy, you need someone to love. But before you can love anyone, you must receive the love of God. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. Number two, in order to be happy, you need something to do. Something to do. Now, I think when I talk about this, we're, we're really good at being busy. Isn't that like the new thing to be busy? How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm busy. <laughs> busy. I'm out of breath. Just, right? So I'm so busy. I didn't ask that. I asked how you are. I'm busy, man. I'm just, woo. Had to go to Whole Foods. Man, that traffic is crazy. Put me back an hour. Now I'm even busier. Am I right? Am I right? High five? No? Okay. I got this coffee. I had to wait in line. There were seven cars in front of me, nine behind me. Couldn't get out. Prayed for the rapture. <laughs> Church jokes. <laughs> I'm busy. 
We're just busy and we're proud of it. But most of us, it's like we're in a rocking chair. We're moving, but we ain't doing nothing. Oh, busy, 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 busy. And that religious side of us is like, yeah, 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 I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do more, 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 more. I'm not talking about that. Listen, activity doesn't promise progress. I want to ask you this, not, not what are you doing, but what are you doing that requires faith? The joy is in the faith walk, not just in doing I need to go back to school. I need to do this. I need to lose weight. I need to do this. I need to gain weight. I need to do this. I need to go to the gym. I need a trainer. I need to eat more kale. Kale, 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 kale. I got the Holy Ghost. Kale, 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 kale. No. What are you doing that requires? I'm mad at kale right now because I've been trying to eat it. I'm mad at it. I think it's part of the curse. I think it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm just saying. In the Hebrew, it says kale. No, uh, listen. What are you doing that requires faith? James chapter 2, verse 26. Faith without works is dead. But what are you, not just what are you doing or are you busy, but what are you doing that requires faith? Listen, if you come to church here, but you're not involved, get involved. That'll require faith. Go park these cars with all y'all crazy drivers and you're out in the park. That requires faith. We need, we need help in the nursery and kid pack. Get involved on the worship team, in the, in the tech team, wherever it is, get involved. Do something that requires faith. Are, are you giving? If you're not giving, I encourage you to start tithing. Don't talk to me about my money. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Because <laughs> how, how many know it takes faith to tithe? Whether you're making 20000 a year or $20 million a year. Because how many know that tithe just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? I remember tithing off 200 bucks a week. Those days are long gone. And now that tithe just gets more and more zeros. Listen, it requires faith. But the moment you give your money a mission is the moment you walk in faith and is the moment that you can find true joy and happiness. That's why you can buy another TV and another TV and you can buy more channels for your TV and you can buy new rims again for your TV or for your car and for your TV because you roll it around because you're crazy and you can add more to your man cave and you can, buy, you can buy another pack of this or another this or that. But that's why you're not satisfied because your money doesn't have a mission. Ladies, you can only have so many red bottoms before it's like, what else can I do? Some of you are like, I haven't found the end of that list yet. Okay. But for real, how much more can we spend on ourselves before we actually begin to invest our finances into the kingdom? And that's where there's joy. I love to give. I live to give. I actually work to give. Jesse Duplantis said that he doesn't work for a living. He works for a giving. And I really believe that. I work for a giving because I love to give into the kingdom because it releases a supernatural adventure in my life where, God, you're going to have to show up. God, you're going to have to provide. God, I know that you can do exceedingly abundantly. Faith. Oh, come on. Clap your hands even if you're mad at me. It's all right. Connect your gift. Connect your skill. Connect your current job to the kingdom. 
and you'll be happier. Because now you're not just punching a time clock. Now you're not just doing, but you're partnering with God. Faith in Jesus' name. Number three, number three, we're almost done. You need someone to love, something to do. Lastly, you need something to look forward to. We can have the keys come up. That's the international sign that church is almost done. (laughs) You got to love a keyboard player. It's like the food is coming. My two favorite people growing up in church was the keyboard player. She was a little lady. And she would kind of play chopsticks, you know, for Jesus. It was really bad. But I loved it because it was a sweet melody. It was like like the dinner bell because I knew we were about to eat. And she was my second favorite person in church. My first favorite person were the ushers when they would pass out communion. Because it was a little midday snack. Amen. All right. Don't judge me. I was eight. Some of you are like, I was eight. God bless. You need something to look forward to. Look at, look at Psalm 27, verse 3. This is so powerful. I think it will come up for us. He says, I believed that I'm confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord. Now look what it says. While I am here in the land of the living. Here's what David's saying. I'm going to see this before I die. Like, I know it's all going to get worked out in heaven and that's going to be a great day. But I believe I'm going to get healed while I'm still living. I believe I'm going to get a breakthrough financially while I'm still alive. I believe my spouse is going to come back to the Lord while I'm still breathing. I believe my child is going to come home to the Lord, not at my funeral, but they're going to come alive and they're going to come back to God while I'm still in the earth. David said, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living while I'm here. That's hope. Hope, the positive expectation of good. Now, this is amazing. Here is the antonym for hope in your your English dictionary. The antonym of hope is fact. Isn't that amazing? So what I'm hoping for and what the facts are currently saying are two radically different things. I'm hoping to lose weight. But then I stand on this box from hell. It's called Beelzebub. And it always goes to 666. Come on, somebody. I pour oil on it. It just gets heavier. I do everything. But I got hope. So I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm eating kale last night for dinner. That's why I'm mad at kale. Hey, kale. Because I want in and out. And I don't want it protein style. What's wrong with people? I just have a hamburger, no cheese, no sauce, protein style. Who dropped you when you were a child? If you're going to do that, just go buy a salad. Don't offend this beautiful Christian company that has put John 316 under the cup by ordering protein style. Somebody say amen. All right, all right. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. But I got hope. So, so I'm dealing with the kale because I got hope. 
because I see myself in the future and I look much better. Amen. So I'm, I'm, so I'm there. I want to say something, but I don't want to say it because it's embarrassing, but I want to say it, but I'm not going to say it. But what I want to say is that I'm tired of wearing Spanx. I'm, I'm ready to get free from these things. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, what's a Spanx? Google it. But not in the house of God. Jesus, help me breathe. But I got hope. I know what the facts are, but I got hope. Good things, good days, a good life, good relationships. I'm, I have a positive expectation that God can do something good in my life. Hope. Come on, somebody shout hope. Hope. I got to read you a scripture. Jeremiah 29. Now we all know 29 11, but there are other verses in the book. Look at this. Jeremiah 29 verse 5. This is going to make verse 11 so much more beautiful. Because these, the people of God are in captivity. And y'all, we all have captivity. Your captivity might be a diagnosis from the doctor. Your captivity might be a glass ceiling that you're hitting at your place of employment. Captivity might be a secret issue, sin, or addiction that you just can't get free from. I don't know what your captivity is, but we all have it. And I think what we want to do is we want to say, God, get me out of it. But for whatever reason, sometimes we're just in it. And we, and we, and we know we're not going to be here forever, but this is where we are. So many times we say, well, I'll hope again, I'll believe again, I'll dream again when I get out of this. But look what God says in verse 5. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Find spouses for them so that they may give you many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. I know your current circumstance is tough, but don't dwindle away right now. Don't stop living right now. Don't stop dreaming right now. Don't stop multiplying right now. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you. Some of you, you're cursing Orange County. You're cursing Irvine. Oh, everyone in California is fake. Oh, everyone in California is this. Oh, everyone in California. But friend, you had issues in Texas. And before that, you had issues in New Hampshire. Stop cursing the city you're in and begin to bless it and work for its prosperity. You may not like where you are, but friend, you're here. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Look what he goes on to say. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, don't let them trick you. Turn on CNN. Ah, Trump's going to be president. Ah, sky's falling. 
turn on Fox. Oh, Hillary! You can't get no good news anymore. Don't let them trick you. Because we do, we do have a president and we honor them and we love them and we pray for them. But we also have a king. And I thank God for our political system. But I also thank God I'm part of a kingdom. An unshakable kingdom that cannot be shaken. So I'm, on, I'm not going to listen to the doomsdayers that want us living in fear, hiding in a bunker. They're telling you lies in my name. God says, I haven't sent them. This is what the Lord says. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. I know you're in captivity, but I know the plans I have for you. I know you're in a tough situation, but I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I know you don't like what you're currently going through. I know, but but I have a hope and a future for you. I know it's uncomfortable, but don't lose your hope in the captivity. I I was recently preaching and a young man wheeled up to me in a wheelchair. He was 22 and he had to have a, a brace around his chest because, or he would just fall over. And he said, I want to preach one day. Will you take a picture with me? And I took a picture with him and I prayed for him and and I said, buddy, why, why are you in this thing? And he said, uh, he said, when I was 18 months old, my mom got in a car wreck and I've been in a wheelchair now for over 20 years. And then he said something and, and that I completely 100% wholeheartedly believe. He said, but I'm, I'm getting out of this thing. With tears in his eyes and tears filled my eyes. And I went, I went, you are. And I said, let's pray. Let's believe for, for your healing. He said, yeah, let's do it. And after I prayed for him, I said, I said, look at me. I think one day you're going to get out of this, out of this captivity. But don't wait to dream until you get out. Because you're saying you're called to preach. And I said, bro, you're already preaching to me. Because that smile is more powerful than any sermon I've ever preached on a stage. And the light that's in your eyes and the faith that's in your heart is stronger than a lot of preacher sermons. Bro, you're already preaching. And while you're waiting on your miracle, you can be a miracle. And I don't know why he's in that chair. I don't. I hate it. And I hate the devil. And I hate that. But he doesn't have to wait to get out before he can change his world. And while you're in whatever your thing is, get married, plant gardens, build houses, have babies, multiply, move forward, dream, hope, live, laugh, worship, praise, pray, continue to move forward. Why? Because Christ is in you and he is the hope of glory. And whatever is happening on the inside is not nearly as big as the God is on the inside. In Jesus' name, would you stand? Let me pray for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.